Welcome back to a very emotional episode. This is actually uh, our 24th episode. What a coincidence, huh? Yeah, it just happens to be on the same day where the Los Angeles Lakers retire Kobe's number 24 jersey. And I know this, you know, it's we shouldn't really be talking about basketball, but he he's a huge icon worldwide and especially in soccer. I think I think in terms of uh, influence. I think Kobe Bryant might have had a bigger global influence than Michael Jordan in terms of basketball as a brand. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just because of the the age that he lived in, the digital age, and how widespread mm-hmm. it was, I think he was a better global, a bigger global icon, probably of our lifetime. Well, I know he's a definitely a big icon to if we have any Chinese or Turkish listeners. Right. Right. So, real quick before we get in, what's your what is your all time favorite Kobe moment? My all-time favorite Kobe moment. It has to be 81 points uh-huh. in a game against the For Raptors. Sure. I remember I remember seeing that game on TV, and I remember seeing him shoot a free throw like midway through the second quarter, and I'm like, wow, he almost has 30 at halftime. <laughs> like, he's going to go for 50. Know. Yeah. It's, I mean, what about you? Uh, so, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a Laker fan like you are, um, so well, I didn't was... have the same connection as, uh, as with Kobe Bryant that you did. Let me rephrase that. Since you're not a Laker fan, what was the biggest, mo- like, oh shit, he's a monster <laughs> moment? It was uh, in the playoffs one year against uh, the Timberwolves. It was back when he was, like, number eight. He had this one insane dunk. And I always remember the call by the announcer. He goes, buckle up for Kobe Bryant! And just ever since then, like, you know, you just know that's going to happen. But, you know, yeah. Kobe, Kobe, all-time great. I hated him while he was playing because he would always destroy the Clippers. You know, I love him more now, appreciate him more that he's retired. But, uh, you know, this is not a basketball podcast. Let's get let's get into the Chelsea. Yes, let's get into some football. Um, So, CFC versus Huddersfield. Yeah. First order of business. Um. So the Blues came out with a starting lineup of uh, Courtois, Rudiger, Aspi, Christensen, um, a midfield of Bakioko and Conte with Alonso and Moses on either side. And we actually went 3-4-3. Three, three. The three up top, uh, kind of interesting, mm-hmm. the return of the, the triple false nine. Um, so we got Pedro, Willian, and Hazard. So actually Hazard played more of a false nine in this match, and Willian and Pedro just look more like an inside forward. Or inside four words, should I say? Yeah, um, really interesting formation. We, we talked about this um, in the match preview last week, and we actually like asked each other which formation would you prefer in a match like this, and we both said three four three, and you actually got it spot on by saying maybe we'll see those three up top together in Pedro, William, and Hazard. So, um, what do you think after seeing that performance, um, a performance that was where we dominated and and opportunities came? Um, hard and fast i mean what do you think do you do you want to see this again against a weaker team or? yeah i mean i think that was the key word against like a weaker weaker opponent because i mean we we have pedro and william on the bench these two are you know too good to be just sitting on the bench every game um they have to get more playing time and um it gives quality rest to our you know top-notch players mm-hmm. and um i think that whenever pedro plays like there's just like I think the chance of us scoring increases like by so much because he hit the post once mm-hmm. and you know had another goal. Um, he assist- had a snapshot from outside the box. I think it was in the first half and it just skimmed wide. And- yeah, so he he almost had three. He could have had three goals this game. Honestly, that's actually match. become his trademark at Chelsea. Is kind of like that, like you know angled ball at the top of the box where he just kind of curls it into the top corner. Yeah, I love him. I mean. I always say whenever he plays that, you know, he's just that his ability to score goals. I mean, I think that's that's just like he has a nose for it. He can score from so many different places. And um, William also a really, really good game as well. Um, he scored a goal um, and he assisted Pedro's goal, too, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he did. William had just an absolutely monster game but but before before I get the William I just want to say a couple things about Pedro. I think when we do play a 3-4-3 without a natural striker, I actually think Pedro suits this system really well because although he is, you know, not the biggest or the fastest or the strongest, the way he positions himself when we're in possession of the ball almost mimics the same movement as a traditional number 9, right? Those those quick sharp angled runs in behind the back line between the center backs, 
um, you know, the the ability to finish on a half chance. Um, those are all just those are all so indispensable. Something that when you sell a player like Pedro or, or when he you know decides to leave the club, it's going to be very hard to find a winger with those exact attributes who mm-hmm. can do the same things he could do. And it just complements Williams' game so nicely. Oh, yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, having one on one side, you mm-hmm. know, on, the, them on opposite sides of each other, um, I think it works. It works brilliantly together. Because I think you have Hazard, who is slowly transforming into a false nine as the season progresses, right? Mm-hmm. In a more traditional sense. And then you got Pedro, who's more of an attacking direct winger, and William, who who's more willing to drop deep and kind of play a number ten role in behind. And and it works out really well. I mean. Williams' game was just nuts. I mean, the the guy performed out of his skin. Um, I think, to be completely honest, I do think Antonio Conte, in a sense, just kind of said, fuck it, we have to go for it, especially after the West Ham match. Mm-hmm. That was so dull and, and so lethargic, and we just didn't look up for it at all. And, and, and coming into a game like this, it's really refreshing to see Conte just kind of not, I don't want to say let his guard down, but just have the ability to, you know, brush aside whatever the media is going to think of him actually going out and saying, you know what, we're going to go for this game. We're going to give it absolutely everything. Just some quick stats on Willian. Um, he got rated a 9.27 according to whoscored.com. Um, two assists, two total shots, three key passes, four successful dribbles, two aerials won some. Two aerials won. Yeah, that's impressive. For William. For Liz he, scored, game. he scored a headed goal. It's yeah. Really nice to see, that's, right? That's really funny. I love that. That ball by Alonzo was... The, 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 the second he hit that ball, I was like, wow, uh, keeper's going to corral that, no problem. What was he doing? Yeah, Huddersfield, honestly, was just abysmal. Um, yeah. You know, we, that, I, there was no doubt in my mind throughout that game that we'd, we'd come up on top. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it could it could could have been a clean sheet, 3-0, but... Um, We'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit, um, but let's let's talk a little bit about Hazard, if, if you if you don't mind. Um, he was he was unbelievable in that first half. Um, what do you think of his play that game? Um, he's I I said this I think I said it last week, but you know you got a twenty six year old at the top of his game, um, with supernatural talent. You know he he possesses abilities and skills that you can't teach or train a player to do at his age right now. And at his physical condition, which looks like it's actually improving, um, he's only going to get better. And, and it's about time that he starts consistently putting a run of games together. I mean, what is this five or six matches in a row where he's just been unplayable. I mean, fr- from an opponent's perspective, I don't think there's a guy in the premier league who you would be more terrified to go up against. I mean, Unless you're, you know, he's he's in that same category now as the Harry Kane's and Kevin De Bruyne's are, um, from the from you know the last couple seasons in terms of consistency and, and he's he's I think he's officially um, embarking on on being a world class a truly world class footballer and it's pretty crazy how you know we can we can watch these games and you know take so much away from him given the fact that. Um, Conte has been pulling him pretty early. Um, take he took him out in the 69th minute in this yeah. match. Uh, in a couple matches ago, he he got taken out early again. I mean, obviously, not because of his poor play, but because the, he wants him to rest up a little bit. And you know, he he he's been proving himself. His link up play is just is is real. You know, in that false nine role. Um, you know, he's not exactly, you know, playing the, he's not playing like a striker. Mm-hmm. Um, so what he can do, you know, with, with, with his, his, his skill with flicking the ball, um, you know, and also creating chances for other people, um, not necessarily always being at the end result of the goal, but always having kind of like a little, little piece of it in the, either in the middle or, you know, right at the end. Um, but he, he's been playing really, really well. It's interesting that you point out the his ability to flick to, to to play off these flicks, right? Like he has this knack of of not even facing the direction where he's going to flick the ball. Like his back will be completely turned and the flick will just come off perfectly. That's 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 what I'm talking about when I say like there's certain things about him that you just cannot teach. Like those flicks and his vision to play those little flicks, a quick one-two touch play 
um, playing in small spaces, playing in open spaces, taking on defenders. He's just, I, I honestly can't say enough about him. I, I'm, I'm thrilled that he's here. And I mean, I know it, it's always bittersweet to praise him because you know that he's probably going to go at, at some point. And when he does, it's going to be a sad day at Chelsea. But so some more of the same for our man Eden Hazard, but yep. a player who kind of played outside of his expectations, uh, Bakayoko. Yeah, he got had... to start. Danny Drinkwater was, I think, it was ill. Um, yeah, he ended up he ended up coming in Drinkwater, but yeah. I mean, Bakayoko's performance it was he he needed that rest. Um, he, I think he was much improved in his energy, his enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he actually scored um, really, really nice looking chip. Um, we don't, I, I can't tell for sure if that wouldn't have gone in. Yeah, had he was not gotten help. Uh, might've been an own goal, but uh, you know, as a Chelsea fan, I didn't see anything of course. No. Um, you know, almost, he almost actually had a second chance the of scoring. T- the with, TV angle looked like it was going in. I mean, it looked like it was course. going into the side yeah. netting, but yeah. I mean, yeah, he's much improved, and I think the main thing with Bakioko as a as a footballer in general, the make it or break it is his mentality. Because I don't think we need to talk about his physical attributes. Like he has everything that it takes to succeed in a Premier League, um, and in world football as a whole. And you know, he's proved it in France. But going back to his mentality, you know, I think Bakioko, although he does um, come off as you know like a traditional number six or a shield for a back line, just kind of like that energy bank and at the hub of a midfield. I think the matches that he has stood out for me are the ones where he plays more of a box to box role, kind of like a number eight um, playing both defensive when needed and, and, you know, pushing up and making solid runs in the attack, which we saw, um, you know, the, the pass William played to him on the break um, for the first goal. I do think he's better as a box-to-box mid, and I might be going out on a limb saying that. You know, if you disagree with me or agree with me, like, like let us know. I'd love to have this conversation with, you know, some of our listeners just because this is something that's always been kind of in the back of my head, and I've I've always kind of hesitated to say it on the pod because, again, like, you look at his, his the things that he can be a lead at, and they're all defensive, but... I mean, man, like this, he he gets his head on almost every corner that comes near him. You know, he scores the occasional goal. He makes great runs. I just think that, you know, when he plays a freer role like that, it just gives him the confidence to link up play and and take more chances offensively. And and that improves his overall game as a whole. So I'm excited for him, you know. Yeah, I hope, I really hope he can keep up this, this kind of play because when he plays with energy, Mm -hmm. um, that that's when he gets performances like this. But when he plays lethargic and, you know, what we've seen him do and time and time again, that that's when we have issues with the, with the way he plays. I think the irritating thing with Bakioko that rubs Chelsea fans the wrong way is when he does give the ball away, contrary to the song, um, he does, yeah. he does give up. Like he doesn't give the ball away and ha- he doesn't have that Pedro mentality where, you know, he misplaces a pass and then he'll chase the guy for 40 or 50 yards, you know, down the sideline to steal it back from him. Like, I, I just don't think that's in his DNA. And I think in the Premier League, you have to have that in your DNA eventually. If it's not in there now, that's something that you're going to learn really quick that, you know, you will get punished when you give the ball away. And I, I think that he, no, I think he notices that. And I think Antonio Conte has done a good job of managing him up to this point. Um, hopefully, you know, every now and then, I think Bakayoko is going to be the type of guy where you're going to have to say, hey, look, you know, take, take a game or two off, you know, midway through the season just to kind of recollect your thoughts and, come back down to earth mm-hmm. um let's talk a little bit about um uh ampadu yeah he made his premier league debut got subbed on uh in the 80th minute mm-hmm. for christensen i mean before we go into ampadu i just want to say real quick christensen again another amazing game um he completed 96 out of his 98 total passes good for 98 percent uh completion and you know just some it's not just Chelsea fans giving him praise. Uh, Steven Gerrard, uh, a quote on Christensen. Slippy um, G. Yeah, Slippy G. To come in and impress an Italian manager as a defender, as a 21-year-old, um, and to stay in this Chelsea team, you have to give the kid a, an awful amount of credit. Um, I mean, that's the second. I mean, sorry to cut you off, but in terms of high praise, we already had Pep Guardiola give him high praise earlier this season, and uh-huh. now you got Steven Gerrard. Look, as much as we 
love to hate on Slippy G for being Slippy G. He's he's a legend, of it's, course. Yeah, it, it's high praise, and I'm pretty sure Alan Shearer said something about him earlier in the season too. Um, but that's just a testament to how good of an actual footballer Andreas Christensen is. Mm-hmm. If you have the chance, go to uh Chelsea uh Chelsea's YouTube channel. And they posted a nice little like eight or nine minute documentary about Andreas Christensen, and they actually have one of their lead scouts talk about his his ability. And he even said he is the best player he's seen through the youth ranks up to this point. So, yeah, wow, that's that, that's praise right there. I'm I'm a, I'm yeah. a, I need to check that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, I think the the main thing is you know just his uh with with Conte coming from Juventus, of course, you know, having such a great experience playing with amazing defenders and to for him to be impressed by him, that's just high expectations for sure. Yeah. Um but they know is a good center back when he sees one, yeah. isn't he? Uh back back to Ampadu. Um mm-hmm. so what were your thoughts uh on the way he played? Well, I didn't actually get to see him um play live. I actually had to leave early for this match. It was it okay. was a, it was a noon kickoff for Los Angeles time. So <laughs> th- that's why, you know. I then I'll I'll talk a little bit about but, how I felt. Yeah, yeah. Why, why don't you go ahead and tell us what you uh what you thought and then I can you know, kind of go from there cuz I, I I do have thoughts about him in general. Yeah, I mean, I really did like the way he controlled the game. Um he he was directing out passes and um you know, he he it it's it's nice seeing you know a young guy 17, 17 year old man a uh, guy um try you know trying to take that leadership role i mean i don't know how how likely it is that you know a guy like rudiger is you know okay with like some 17 year olds kind of directing him where Telling it, him off, exactly yeah. but i mean still i think that it's it's good showing his um you know his sense of leadership at such a young age mm-hmm. um not really not a great outing for him though he only played for 10 minutes and you know he came in as center back uh the, only, the other time that we saw him play was uh he was playing a center, he was playing a, a, as a midfielder defensive mid yeah yeah and, he was playing in a midfield too and with... you know he arguably gave up that that last second goal like they literally scored in the 92nd minute and you know he it was it was arguable whether he it was his fault or um rudiger but you know deprived uh, Tebow of that clean sheet. Um, He was very upset about it. Obviously you can tell from his reaction to the goal, but I, I, I think that, I mean, it's, it's so hard to judge him and Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't feel right judging him by saying that he's not, he won't really be a a center back um, after 10 minutes of watching him play center back. No, no, you know, I know he, I know he plays a lot more center back for the, uh, for the development squad uh than he does playing center mid. And, you know, my my opinion on him is, yeah, when I did leave, it was about the 70th minute or the 75th minute. And I did have the phone. I did have the game playing in the car when I was driving, but I could only really listen to the audio. I couldn't really watch. And it sounded like Huddersfield was definitely getting on the front foot towards the end of the match. And it's kind of tough to swap out a center half, you know, while the other team's piling on pressure, um, regardless of the quality of the opponent. Like, it's just hard to jump into the game in the 80th minute and, you know, slot right into the, you know, to the intensity and, and the aggression and whatnot. Um, as, a, as a center half, I, I think he has the right attributes, right? Like, we saw um, in the League Cup matches that he played, he's very, very uh, strong in the tackle, right? Uh-huh. Um, positionally he looks like he's a very intelligent player way be- way beyond his years and and he's he's a great on the ball he's great at linking up play and seeing you know passing lanes and, and just kind of keeping the flow of play moving so I do think he has some of the attributes to play as a center half but based on what we saw in the league cup I mean I was completely sold as him being an alternative to maybe even you know a, a Danny Drinkwater as as fourth in the rotation for for the for midfield mm-hmm. um I want to see more of him, though. I, I think 10 minutes in the Premier League is great, and I, I credit Conte for acknowledging him. And, you know, maybe there's something he's seeing in training that, you know, uh, makes him deserve the, the last 10 minutes of a match at, at 17 years of age. It's it's very impressive. And, and in terms of, you know, youth debutants in the Premier League, I mean, he's up there with some Premier League royalty. So, um, you know... I, I, I'm yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing like what what how he's going to be incorporated, and you know, just yeah. the rest of our youth is going to be incorporated, 
And before we move on to South Southampton, just want to quickly note um, Danny Drinkwater coming on the 70th minute. He he played really well, I think. Uh, he controlled the ball really well. He made 32 passes in 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, that's that's like Fabregas-esque. So, um, Something about Drinkwater, you know, like everyone was knocking him for the 40 million price tag. Like he costs an Nemanja Matic. Everything I've seen from him so far, I've... I've been happy with. Yeah, I've been really impressed as well. You know, he just looks like he's going to be a really quality player. I, I I sound like a broken record every week, but you know, moving on. I mean, we got Chelsea one, Southampton zero. Um, frustrating game to say the least. But before we get into it, let's talk about our starting lineup. So, um, Courtois, Cahill, Aspi, Christensen. Um, we got Conte, Bakayoko in the in the midfield pairing. Um, with Alonso and Moses out wide, William Pedro and Hazard up top. Um, frustrating first twenty minutes to to say the least. Um, again, we, we fail to get a grip of the matches um, early on. It seems like a recurring theme. I mean, the most obvious ones are you know we got Burnley, we got Crystal Palace, we got the Swansea match, um, the West Ham match. Uh, the first, you know, the the first Roma match at home at the bridge. I mean, slow starts, and mm-hmm. and we're getting punished for it. Thankfully, in this game, um, you know, we wound up getting all the three points. And after the first twenty minutes, you know, never really felt extremely threatened. Um, probably should have won by more than one goal. But what do you think is is the cause of the first twenty minutes? I mean, do you point the blame at the manager? Do you point the blame at the players? Um, the game plan, the lineup, I mean, it just seems ridiculous that something like this is virtually unfixable at this point in the season. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to point out because, I mean, if I could, you know, if I could easily fix that, I'm sure Conte would be able to fix that after the first uh, time that it happened. I mean, I think it has to do with the the way the players, um, I think that, they might be going into the game feeling a little bit comfortable and, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing to play with confidence, but when that confidence kind of get, makes you lethargic and, um, you know, makes you feel like, Oh, we already got this game in the bag. That's when you lose, um, against really poor teams. And, you know, that's not saying Southampton's a poor team. Um, this game, I, I expected a grind, um, going in and that's exactly what we got. Um, it was a great effort by both sides. Um, I'm just so happy to be coming out with a win. You know, the only goal was off of a, you know, Marcos Alonso's surprise goal kick. I think that the, the free kick, that free kick. Beautiful. I'm sorry. Yeah, that I think the, I think that the, their goalie was a little bit um, off balance. Was kind of setting up the the line a little, the wall a little bit, and was kind of caught off guard. It was a really quick, out of nowhere. I don't think mm-hmm. he was expecting Alonso to take that shot, but you know. If if we're gonna walk away with three points, that's you know it's better than one or nothing. I know we brought up Marcus Alonso after the uh, after the Tottenham game. I think that was the last time we really went in depth with him um, because that was his last man of the match type performance. Mm-hmm. Um, refreshing to see him kind of step up and take the free kick. Like every time the ball's in and around that area, the only person I ever want standing around it is Marcus Alonso more so than William now. Um, but it just gives us a lot of options in, in terms of set pieces and something that, you know, not a lot of people talk about that is the most impressive attribute about his game, I think, is his stamina. Considering that he's probably the least rotated player on our squad besides Azpilicueta and Courtois mm-hmm. um, as a wingback is is nuts. It, it's, it's absolutely crazy to think about. Um, Thibaut Courtois actually mentioned it in an interview, you know, he said something along the lines of like, you know, people don't realize how hard it is to attack and defend for 90 minutes every match. Um, and I think he's completely right. Um, as a, as a wing back, I think, you know, we did talk about it at the Tottenham game again, but he's definitely in the conversation for best wing back in England. Yeah. You mean no one he's had, he, he's already had this, uh, he had this title even before this this match but still um he has the highest goal involvement in the premier league since his debut i mean since he made as, his chelsea as, debut as a defender, right? yeah sorry for a defender and uh you know he has 14 
10 goals, 4 assists, of 14 involved with 14 goals since his uh, Chelsea debut. Something over a little a little over 50 appearances, I think. Yeah, and, and great thing is that the second most is uh, Aspilicueta, so we got the top two <laughs> up great. there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a guy being involved in those goals, in you know, that kind of, that amount of goals um, as a wing back, especially one that gets a lot of, I think he gets a lot of crap from his fans, um, and I don't, I don't think that it's it's warranted. No, no, um, it definitely isn't. And he he has potential to be the best attacking wing back uh, in all of England. I don't think that he's reached that point quite yet because he is uh, inconsistent, and I think that's where the hate from the fans come from because we don't see this kind of performance uh, game in and game out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think once he, I think it's still possible for him to reach that stage. I mean, when we look at in terms of World Cup selections, I know the Spanish squad usually played four three three, right? So Marcus Alonso wouldn't be a natural fit on the left side of that defense for the World Cup. But do you think he gets a shot for the World Cup? Possibly even a starting nod. I mean, I mean they got you know, we got Jordi... PK and Ramos as a center half, so I uh-huh. think that's a given. Jordi Alba and Carvajal. He um, would be competing with probably with Jordi Alba to play on that left hand side, right? And maybe maybe Alejandro Grimaldo. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point Jordi Alba kind of gets. I, I think it's for sure just because he plays on Barca. And he think he. he I mean, he, I think he's a, a better player. <laughs> yeah, I, in terms at this of, point, I mean, it's not. He's still. He's yeah. still got time to develop. Jordi yeah. Alba has has proven himself to be a more quality uh, wing back. So I mean, but you know. He's it's he's not far behind. He he'll definitely be making that Spanish roster. I hope and so. We'll, and you'll be wa- we'll be watching him see uh, play. I'm uh actually going to be going to Russia this year for the World Cup, and oh, uh, I'm going to be watching all the Iran games. Um, and Iran got uh, grouped up with Spain, so I'll be watching him play in person. Yeah, and say hopefully. what's up to Aspi for me. I too will. Right. I'll say what's and up Marata. to him. Yeah, hopefully no. Pedro and Fabregas as well. Wow. Yeah. A lot of Spaniards. We love the Spaniards, though. We do. We can't complain. So, um, let's move on to to William. So, I mean, I, the first note I have under his name is you know prior to this match, he's been he's been class. I right. Mean, just just absolute class. So we talked about him in wow. the last six games. Um, he has one goal and four assists. So directly contributed the five goals in his last six appearances. Um, the link-up play with Hazard and Pedro, I mean, we did dive into it against a Huddersfield match, and I don't think it, it could be uh, overstated enough. But, you know, you do get these niggling rumors of him going to Man United um, in January, and, and Willian actually came out and, and shut those rumors down pretty quickly, saying, uh, quote, I'm happy here, and the fans can be calm. I'm always happy here at Chelsea. I really like this club a lot with my heart, end quote. So I guess so do really, I. I really like this club a lot with my heart. Yeah, too. I guess he really likes this club with his heart. Uh, that's what I was gonna say. But William does seem to be a very sincere person. He doesn't really talk to the media much, and when he does, he's very honest and and, and blunt with his statements. So, uh, do you believe him? Do you think that you know? Um, do Do you think that he likes likes life in London? I mean, it's probably better than life in Manchester. That's for sure. Um, I I don't think that. I mean, of course, Jose Mourinho, he's a huge fan of Willian, so he'll make he'll make Willian work in his system. Mm-hmm. But um, they have already got a lot of good wingers, um, or up and coming young wingers, I think. And uh, I think that Willian fits more in our system than uh, in there, especially when like, how we've been playing um, past two matches. And you know, he we saw this last year when he he missed a lot of playing time and you know he he didn't get a lot of playing time and he didn't he didn't show any emotion whatsoever he he's he's definitely a team player mm-hmm. um he knows when um the manager is making the right decision um but he seems I think a, he seems to like life in london yeah too. definitely like, like his kid he seems to be pretty settled yeah i i don't know i mean of course i believe him that he's happy but um I don't know if uh it's a if that statement alone ensures that he's not going anywhere because you know Man United still is a strong club um but I mean we're only sitting 3 points behind them right now at this point um 
and uh, you know we've I think we've been, we've been outplaying them the past couple matches, and we actually you know we played them and beat them a couple matches ago, a couple weeks ago. But um, you know I I don't know if if that necessarily means that Williams staying or if he's going, but I really would love him to I'd love to keep him around. Yeah, I mean here here's where I come you know this is where I have an issue with this is because Williams at 29 years old similarly to Pedro if William does leave to a team like Manchester United does he really slot in to their starting 11 behind Rashford and Martial considering the form they're in yeah um also does he slot in ahead of Lingard Uh, personally I think he does but Mourinho seems to have this affinity with Jesse Lingard and really rates his work rate so if he leaves I think it's much of the same situation um whether he has a better chance of getting a little bit more playing time at Manchester United, yeah, maybe that's a good debate. But in terms of, you know, becoming a bona fide starter at 29 years of age in a Premier League, I mean, Manchester United and Chelsea, I mean, they they, they both seem to have a, a good formula going right now in terms of winning. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think he stays. I hope he stays as well. Um, and I know you talked about Christensen in the last uh, – in the Huddersfield review, but I want to talk about him in this match. So he didn't have a terrible game, but he did get caught out of position a couple of times by Charlie Austin. Now, look, I know I sound really nitpicky when I go out and I, and I point out his only obvious mistake that he made all season. Um, but it is something to keep an eye on. Like th- this is a good thing for a 20, for a 21 year old, you know, learn from your mistakes and, a defender like Charlie Austin, or a defender, a striker like Charlie Austin, is actually going to be Andreas Christensen's kryptonite, I think, um, moving on in his career because he isn't the biggest. Um, and Charlie Austin's like your prototypical, um, you know, aerial, uh, very aerially gifted, I guess, very strong, um, you know, a strong base, great at holding onto the ball. Those are the kind of strikers where Christensen's going to have the hardest problem because of his size and strength. Now, um, on a few occasions, you know, Charlie Austin would play like a quick little flick and, and, and spin into the hole, um, in behind our center halves. And thankfully Courtois made a couple decent saves, but yeah. it's just something to keep an eye out on. I'm not calling him out. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, crucifying him. I'm just saying, you know, these, these things are starting to, to come about now and it's better that they happen sooner rather than later. Um, I would rather have him make these mistakes now at this point in the season with our title chances, you know, basically gone in the Premier League than potentially happening next year when we mount a legitimate title challenge. Yeah, um, and, you know, I, I want to point out one thing about this match that I, re- that I learned from watching it. Man, if, if Man's... I mean, I'm not talking about Christensen anymore, but um, if Man City, if, if they get Virgil van Dijk this January... <laughs> Uh, the world is is fucked. I mean, he, I think I think that'll immediately propel them to, you know, Champions League possibly favorites. Honestly, I mean, right now they look like a good, like like a very very strong contender to win Champions League as of now. And their only problem is their defense. If they play a team like PSG or Bayern Munich or Real Madrid, they're just gonna get eaten alive because you know Man City doesn't have the ability to sit back and. And absorb pressure and, and withstand long, you know, periods of, of of sustained pressure. So yeah, you know, if if it's not Chelsea winning Champions League this year, um, I'd want it to be another Premier League team because that just you want uh, that make, publicity. I mean, yeah, I mean, it makes it makes our it makes our league look a lot tougher as well. I, I, I mean, I, we already know that it's one of the toughest leagues, but I mean, besides Chelsea and uh, a couple from Man United, we haven't really had much success. The Premier League um, mm-hmm. hasn't had much success. Oh, and, and Liverpool won one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that was a, I think it was the night in Istanbul, like their greatest ever, you know, moment. moment. Yeah. <laughs> and, and for for the, the younger fans, at yeah. least, yeah. not the hundred year old fans. Um, but still, I mean, I I would I wouldn't mind another Premier League team winning it. Um. My only issue with that, but Premier League teams have, I think they all advanced um, to the second round. I didn't. Yeah, yeah, we did, and and we got the shittiest draw out of all of them. I mean, I think Man City has what Shakhtar, 
And, you know, that's what we got for getting second in our group. Man, it's our, it's our own Sevilla, fault. They, just... they all won their group, but it's our fault. And even Tottenham won their, won their oh. group. Well, who did who did Tottenham draw for the uh, for the knockout stage? Uh, while you look that up, uh, I'm going to bring up our next match. Um, we're we're going to be playing uh, Bournemouth this this week. Uh, I know they got... Oh, yeah, they got Juventus, so... Yeah, okay, that's I mean, not, that is not a good match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a bad draw. But I still think we have it worse off. I would rather face Juventus at this point in time. Oh, yeah, definitely. They, they look a little vulnerable. Definitely. Especially with Usman Dembele coming back for Barca. Man. Anyways. So, Bournemouth. Um, this yeah. is this is a EFL Cup match. Um, we're into the quarterfinals now at this point. Um, we haven't we haven't played an AFL Cup match since that um since that game against Everton. Um, so this year in the in the Premier League, Bournemouth has they're sitting 16th at the table, um, four wins, four draws, ten losses, plummeting um, in the Premier League table. Yeah, they've scored 15 goals, um, allowed 24. Um, you know they 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 looked. They played actually really well against Man United a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, and in a sense, they outperformed them. If you like, look at if you look at the stats on paper, um, but they they got they got torn up by Liverpool last week, um, and you know these poor lads they they've got a really tough schedule. They they had Man United and Liverpool now, uh, of course, the tough match against us this week. Man City on Saturday, then West Ham after that, the team that as of late that's been looking really strong, yep. and, uh, and then Everton after that. So, you know, you're talking about them plummeting. It's not going to get any better. No, you know, this is a, a, a team in crisis, I think, regardless of how quality, you know, their manager is. Like, I really rate Eddie Howe, um, you know, and they, and they do have some decent footballers. Um, you know, Nathan Ake, you know, being probably their marquee player at this point, but yeah, I mean, a team that likes to play three at the back, um, it hasn't really worked out for them this season. You know, they just haven't gotten that momentum that they had last season where, you know, they go on a little decent spell and, you know, escape the relegation zone. So, you know, speaking of their back three, you know, they do play with the wing backs in a back three. And the best way to beat them is similar to the way teams try to beat us. And that's by exploiting that space between both outside center halves and the wing backs. Um and, you know, that's going to be absolutely crucial for us. And I think that's part of the reason why Liverpool, you know, took them to school last week is because when you have a triple prong, a three pronged attack where, you know, your your main playmakers and creators are playing in a wide position and cutting inside, it makes things a lot more difficult for that front three, um, especially when you have an intelligent striker, um, similarly to Liverpool, like we do. So for this game, I mean, I, I'd like to go three four three. to be honest. I think uh, with the form Bakayoko's in, um, I think he should get the starting nod, maybe give N'Golo Conte a rest and throw in Danny Drinkwater alongside him. Um, just kind of lock this game down, play with a front three. Um, I honestly wouldn't mind seeing Hazard get, get a rest for a match like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe getting Pedro William and Murata. Um, I'm going to go two nil Chelsea. I think, I think we're going to rotate the squad a bit. Um, but at the same time, I think Antonio Conte knows about our premier league title challenge and that, you know, our, Probably our best chance to win a trophy is either this or the FA Cup. Yeah, I think given that the fact that it is a cup match, uh, EFL Cup, I think that um, it's it's not very likely that we put in a I can't really say weaker squad because like our second squad is still better than most. Better, yeah, it's better than Bournemouth. But I think that um, Conte really wants to win one or maybe even two pieces of hardware this summer. I mean, yeah. this year. Yeah, just to and, keep uh, the lid on things. Yeah. Um, so I don't. I think that it's possible that we see uh, a, a decently strong side um, for us this this week, and I think that a two three or three nil um, is going to be the final score. I don't know. I don't think Bournemouth is is going to be able to score on us unless no, uh, unless, unless we put in Jermaine Nathan, Defoe pulls something out of his hat. Unless we put uh, Nathan Ampadu in with ten minutes left. Oof. That's, Sorry, Ampadu. See, man, that's hard. <laughs> yeah, come on. He's he's seventeen years old. He he gets a little bit of a break, right? Um. So give him a break then. <laughs> um. Anyways, moving on. Um. That's a Wednesday game against Bournemouth. Um. I believe our game against Everton is a Saturday game. It is. So. I will be watching this after I wake up at 4 a.m. to watch El Clasico. Mm. Um, 
so Everton, I mean, new manager equals more confidence, right? Yeah. I think that's been the motto for them this year. So since Big uh, Sam, Big Sam, Sam Allardyce, since he joined Everton, they've been unbeaten, actually. Um, four wins and a draw. The draw being at Liverpool in the Merseyside Derby last week. So so what do you, what do you think of the nickname Big Sam for me? Big Sam. Yeah. No, no, that has a nice little ring to it. Maybe you could uh, have expertise at keeping our podcast out, out of the relegation zone. <laughs> like Big Sam. But you, I, I'm going to admit, like, if you're going to take on the name Big Som, you got to eat a lot more pies. <laughs> pies aren't very big here in America, you know, unless it's like a dessert type thing. But maybe you could uh, maybe you could start Sh- the... a shepherd's pie. Yeah, yeah. Like a shepherd's pie. The shepherd's pie works, right? Love it. I mean, if you're I'll, English, I'll... tweet at us and let us know what kind of pies you guys eat normally <laughs> because I've never quality, been. Quality banter. Right I've here. never been, but I plan on going soon. I'm actually in the process, Som, and I don't think I told you this. But I'm in the process of booking a trip to England, mm-hmm. for the to Tot- London, for the Tottenham match. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so March that 31st. Be, be sick. If you want to meet up before, if anyone wants to buy me a beer, let me know. Oh, that would be awesome. I'm probably going to hit up Stamford Bridge. I really want to meet with him. But anyways. Do you know where? Do you know uh, which section you're going to be sitting in? I'm trying to get uh, seats in the Matthew Harding lower. Uh-huh. I just want to be behind the goal, right in the rough of it. Part of me wants to sit in the shed end just so I could, you know, as, as close to the away fans as possible. Um, just so, uh, you know, I could cuss out as many Tottenham fans as possible. I heard the uppers, though, are also um, Matthew Harding uppers are pretty good seats as well. In terms of a view, I think they're better. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I, even just as, you know, getting rowdy, obviously it's the lowers are better. But if you're trying to save some money, I think the uppers. No, I'm trying to get absolutely hammered. <laughs> <laughs> like, not even joking. Like, I just want to get blitzed and, you know, just sit with a bunch of, you know, diehard Chelsea fans and just laugh at Tottenham's Yeah, pain. I'm sure you'll fit just right in. Yeah. So, um, anyways, I mean. Our record against Everton is pretty good, right? So we won 72 matches. We've drawn 52 and lost 54. Um, a little tighter overall record than we're used to, but you know, keep in mind. And we, you know, last time we, we played them earlier this year, um, mm-hmm. it was the last round of the EFL Cup. That was their first match after sacking uh, Cumin. And uh, at that time, they hadn't signed Big Sam at that point yet. I think it was sitting in the stands for that match while the interim manager was... Uh, was um yeah I I think at that point they haven't made it they hadn't made a decision yet yeah um, it but, wasn't official at least but uh you know that was I think that was their last loss um mm-hmm. coming from us um but of course Wayne Rooney uh there he's a focal point um he scored the game tying penalty goal against Liverpool um two weeks ago and uh, it's crazy honestly it's crazy how Everton even kept up in that game here's here's an interesting take on wayne rooney sorry to cut you off again but you know i'm just trying to think of this like we look at like if we we look at the course of his career you're talking about a guy that's accomplished everything and has won everything and broken records and at one point has been you know one of the best footballers in the world right and then he has it in the last couple years at man united where he kind of struggles have you ever seen something like that from a professional athlete before where they experience such a massive fall from grace that they actually fall out with the team that, you know, he's he's accomplished so much at? I mean, the only person that really comes to mind is Eli Manning, right? <laughs> I'm trying to think of a, a, a But Eli situation. Manning was not as good as Wayne Rooney. I'm trying to think of a situation in soccer where that happened. It, I don't think it has, to be honest. I mean, like a super – like an absolute talisman, like – Sir Alex built that team around Rooney. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he, he, I got, mean, the, he got the no selling. Like he got the selling Ronaldo before he got the selling Wayne Rooney. Yeah, right? definitely. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, back to that that Liverpool, Anyways, yeah. that Liverpool Everton match. I mean, Everton still came out on, with a draw. They had twenty twenty percent possession, and they only took three shots all game. Uh, to Liverpool's twenty three, but one of those shots was good enough to give them a goal. And uh, um, Dominic Calvert Lewin um, with most pathetic flop i've ever seen for a penalty yeah that was a flop um but i mean still it's it's this it's that kind of team that i mean they could still be dominated the whole match and punish you and yeah and still come out with a couple points so that's what we need to make sure don't sleep on wayne no definitely not yeah Um, that has that's been uh something that 
has been been said for the past 10 years yeah uh, 10 plus years but before um, before and after the uh hair transplant (laughs) um yeah so what what what's the what are some things that we should be attacking well against everton i mean just the general lack of mobility in all areas of the pitch right um particularly at the back um they don't really have that much pace so i think again a three-pronged attack against them might be our best option um, just because of, you know, our pace that we could provide up top and our movement um, will really give their defense a hard time. I mean, with that being said, I mean, they also have a lack of pace up top for them. Um, Wayne Rooney's playing as their striker right now, and, and you know, <laughs> if he lacks anything, it's pace, right? Yeah. Um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin has been he, – he's had a season for them, right? And he's a, he's a solid young player, but – you really don't expect him to have too big of an impact in a match with, you know, against the champions of England. Um, I might be flattering us a little bit, but <laughs> I mean, fuck it. But yeah, I mean, th- those are the two main things. I don't really know what kind of system Sam Allardyce is going to put out. Um, big Sam does have like this knack for playing Big Sam. I'm using the air quotes right now, but Big Sam football where, you know, he just kind of sits back and takes his one or two opportunities every game and, and walks away with some sort of result. He just has a knack for that as a manager in general. So, yeah, I think Morata and Hazard are going to be our two biggest, um, you know, influences in a match like this. And if they're up for it, even if one of them are up for it, I think it'll be enough to get us across the line. Yeah, I agree. So what 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 you're going to be? what's your prediction for this match? For this match, I think it's going to be tough. I think we probably are going to come out a little bit sluggish just because we only have, you know, the two days in between. But before you give your rest. prediction, will we be handing Big Sam his first loss at Everton before you get into your I, actual well, prediction? Well, what would it be if I predicted Chelsea to lose, right? I think <laughs> I predicted us to draw once, but it was against City. So, like, you know, thank, I, hey, thank I, you I, for I, being realistic. I predicted us to draw Southampton. So, thank yeah, God yeah, yeah. I was well, wrong about that. I might I might predict a draw against Everton too then. I'm going to go 1-0. I think this is going to be a, I think it's going to be a tight match. I think we're going to come out slow. I think we're going to put us under a lot of pressure. Second half, Conte makes some type of adjustment. We nick our goal and we walk away with the three points and everybody goes home happy for Boxing Day. Oh, is it Boxing Day? Boxing Day is the 25th. Oh, wow. I can't wait. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I think I think it's going to be um one of those matches where we are going to absolutely dominate on paper but only score one goal. Um, but, and it's going to be like some weird, like header off like a deflection or something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'm just, I'm just going to predict a draw so that I'm, I'm proven wrong again, but um, deep down inside, I'm predicting one nil win, but on, on the record, I'm predicting a one, one draw. Okay. I mean, that's fair enough. Right. So. I mean, it kind of brings us to the end of our script, but a very confusing week next week, right? So we usually release our podcasts on um, every Monday. Next Monday, we have a little every problem Tuesday. because it is uh, Christmas. No, I, I've actually been dropping it on Mondays, Monday oh, nights. But it'll, it'll be Tuesday for, for everyone in England. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, yeah, I posted at like 10 p.m. American time on a Monday night. Um, so we're not going to have a podcast next week. Um because we have families and we have lives, right? Uh-huh. Um, so confirm. we'll see you guys again on the week of the first. The first actually falls on a Monday too. So probably the second or the third we'll, we'll reconvene and, you know, um, drop another podcast for you all. So j- j- just going through the schedule really quick until the next time you see us. Um, we are playing Brighton and Hove Albion um, on the 26th. Uh, should be an easy match. Um, and we, then we play Stoke on the 30th, never, uh, I mean, besides the last time, but Stoke is usually <laughs> not a, time. not an easy prospect. Um, and we get to see happy again. So that's always nice. Um, and then on the third, we play Arsenal. Um, so we get to whip some Ars on the third. Um, so look for our podcast to drop after that match. Because I really want to clown on my Arsenal friends and every Arsenal fan in existence on the planet and beyond. Um, yeah, where, where are they sitting right now? Arsenal? Uh, what was it? Was it a fourth song? Not quite. Oh, so, okay. So then maybe, they, surely they have a Europa League spot right now, right? 
Is that silence? No? Okay. Sixth? No, actually, they are fifth right now. They're fifth? Yeah. Wow. I thought they were, like, way lower. No, after the, they, because they beat Newcastle. Listen, listen. Arsenal aren't mugs, right? But they're no Burnley. <laughs> so, well, I, I, before the, before Saturday, Burnley was ahead of them, which was which was really nice. Listen, Burnley that was looks a sight really to see. Nice. I, yeah, I, and, we, and Burnley should be thanking us for letting them for letting us beat them or letting them beat us uh, the first first uh, match of the season. If that didn't happen, do you always wonder like what their season would be like? Yeah, they'd probably be three less points <laughs> right now. <laughs> well, three less points, but I think I mean, they'd be like mid, like mid-table yeah, mediocrity. Yeah, thirty-two again. points. That's I mean, it's only one one point behind Arsenal, and that's I only mean, eight points behind the uh, you know supposed myth that if you get more than forty, you you clinch safety. So. Yeah, and you know, and that actually, the best thing to come out of that is that they're sitting ahead of Tottenham right now. Woo. That's great. That's always nice. Yeah. So if you can't if you can't get that Arsenal seventh place uh, dig, you can still you can still shit on Tottenham. Yeah. 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 You definitely could do that. So, um, again, no podcast next week. We're sorry, guys, to all uh, seventeen of our listeners. Hey, we've been averaging like over hundred fifty. Yeah, yeah, per episode. Yeah, I know. So I always awesome. knock. I always knock how crap our podcast is, but you know it's actually pretty bad. cool. So, um, yeah, we'll see you guys on the third. Uh, make sure to add us on. Uh, on um soundcloud uh add us on itunes add us on um twitter you can email us romansempirepod at gmail.com it's been a while since we had some interaction i know our twitter account hasn't been the most active lately um but we're working on it and uh you know the activity is definitely going to be skyrocketing in the next couple weeks because i just graduated so I have a little bit of free yeah, time. Yeah, congratulations! Hands. And yeah. I just finished my first semester of law school. I somehow survived. Oh yeah, so that's uh, always let's see nice. how it turns out. That's always nice. Um, so yeah, yeah. have a great break, Zach. Yeah, you, you too, Sam. So um, to all our listeners, um, happy holidays to whatever walk of life you come from. Um, Merry Christmas to those who celebrate it. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Whatever other holiday I'm missing. Christmas Hanukkah Kwanzaa. Don't yep. forget that Christmas, one. Christmas Hanukkah. Whatever you just said. Um, and Happy New Year. So. Until next time, we'll see you guys on the third. Oh, and how could I forget? Keep the blue flag flying high. Always.